Amen. Amen. So good to see your smiling faces this morning. If you got your Bibles, lift them up for me. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm excited to share with you guys this morning. Uh, those of you that have been here a while understand how I do this. I typically to do that because I can build on them and finish thoughts. But in between series, I like to do what I call one-off messages. And this is just a topic to cover for a day because I believe that God wants to say something to us. And I spend a lot of time working on these because they're really important. Because I believe that God has a word that he wants to speak. And based on what I saw happen in the hearts of people first service, I believe that some of you guys are really going to get something today. That literally, and I'm not just saying this, it can literally change your everything from now on. So I want you to really open your hearts today and see what God has to say, okay? Uh, How many of you know what avoidance is? You know what avoidance is? How many of you have ever been to New York City? Can I see your hands? I have. And, and here's a little southern boy that goes up to New York City one time. I had a friend that lived up near, near there. He was a Marine. And uh, so I went up to, to see him, and he said, come on, let's go into New York City. And I said, cool. Never seen that many Yankees all in one place. That'll be fascinating. So I got up there, and we went into New York City, and this is the gospel truth. This is what happened. We were driving somewhere. He said, hey, let's pull in this grocery store. And let's go inside and let's get something to drink. Let's get a Coke. And I said, okay. So we pulled in. Now, I am from the south. When you walk in and you notice there are women coming behind you, what do you do, guys? You open the door. And so I went, opened the door. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I sat there for like 10 minutes holding the door because in the south, we open the door and then there's another guy that comes along and he gives you the nod. Come on, fellas. And the nod means, I got you. And that means, hey, you got the door right now, but now I'm coming up. I got you. And now I got the door. And there's this handoff. It's a man thing, okay? And the, and the door gets handed off, and you go about your business, and God's world continues to turn. But that's not how they do it in New York City. Because in New York City, you go up and you hold a door, and you are now what you like to call a doorstop. And here's what happened. I literally sat there, and my buddy Thad was sitting over there watching. He starts laughing because he'd obviously had this happen to him before. He's over there watching me. I can't get away, and I can't slam the door on women because my mom will hurt me. And so I'm holding this door, and here's what happened, though. They would look and see that I was holding the door, and then they would walk in, and they would never make eye contact with me. They were avoiding my my stare. They were avoiding looking at me because what happens when you look at somebody is now his transaction takes place and something has to happen. Today I want to talk to you about how we avoid the topic of forgiveness. We avoid the topic of forgiveness. And some of us don't understand how important forgiveness is in our life. And, and I want you to understand this is not just a thing in some of your lives. The reason I'm saying it can change you forever is once you get a true understanding of what forgiveness really is and the power of forgiveness, it can change your everything. So today, you're not going to be able to avoid this. 
You're here on purpose. There's literally nobody in this room that's here today on accident. God knew you needed to hear this. And so today you're here, and he wants you to look him right in the eyes as we talk about forgiveness, okay? So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 8. There's two chapters in the Bible that deal with individual topics in each chapter. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the chapter of faith. And the whole chapter of Hebrews 11 deals with one topic, and that is the topic of faith. 1 Corinthians 13 is another chapter that deals with one topic, and that topic is love. And we're going to read out of 1 Corinthians today. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if I don't have love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and I have all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, think about that, I've got enough faith to speak to a mountain and tell it to move. That's powerful. But I have not love, I am what? Nothing. And though I bestow all my goods, though I give everything I have to feed the poor, and though I even give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. And love never fails. In other words, love never quits. Love never quits. That's an, I can't even begin to understand or explain to you how important understanding the concept of true love and what that actually means in the kingdom of heaven, but what it means to you and I. But the thing about love that I want you to understand today is love never quits. God doesn't stop pursuing us. He never, ever stops pursuing us. But in life, you're going you're gonna to find some things that are going to happen to you in life. And I'm going to make you some promises today. In your life, someone is going to hurt you. In life, someone is going to betray you. In life, someone is going to stab you in the back. In life, there are going to be things that happen to you that are not fun. Someone's going to abandon your heart. Someone is going to abuse you. Someone's going to hurt you. How many are you glad you came to church this morning? Can I see your hands? Because you're like, seriously? Pastor's the love pastor. Why is he all talking? Here's some things you need to understand because life is hard. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble. But then he finishes that sentence and it says this, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Now, when I talk about someone that hurts you, betrays you, things are going to happen, there's probably a face that popped up in your mind. There's somebody's face. You can see that person that stabbed you in the back. You can see that person abused you. You can see that person that abandoned you. You can see that. And, and some of you, as much as it hurts me to even say it, it brings you pain just to hear that. But I want you to understand something today. God wants to set you free from that pain. God wants to set you free from that past hurt, but you have more to do with that than you can even imagine. You have more to do with your own freedom 
in this situation than you can even imagine. I want to tell you a story about a guy named Satchel Paige. Satchel Paige was a black man. He was uh, born in the 20s, and he played uh, baseball back before baseball was segregated. He's actually one of the first people that played in the, was allowed to play in segregated baseball leagues. But during those times, he, he was just quite the showman. And uh, something interesting happened in his life. When he was a young man, he got in trouble. And the reason he got in trouble was because they were having rock fights. He and some of his buddies were having rock fights with some of the boys across town, and so they were whizzing rocks at each other. Well, he got caught, and he got sentenced to juvenile hall for five years. They sent him away for five years. But here's what uh, Satchel said about that time that he was sent away. While he was there, the man that ran the school created a baseball team and taught him how to pitch baseball. And it was during that season of life when he was locked away from everybody else that he learned to be one of the greatest pitchers that ever lived. God has a way of taking what we look like as seclusion and developing something on the inside of us. But Satchel was something. I mean, once he got out of that, he started playing, and, and he played in minor league baseball for a while, and there were black leagues back then, so he would play in the black leagues, and they'd play white leagues, and different things would happen. Well, one game, he had quite the, the reputation. One game he was playing, and it got down to the bottom of the ninth inning. The other team was up at bat. He was pitching, and three errors happened in, his ro- in a row. His team made three errors in a row, and he got so frustrated that he waved at all the guys in the outfield and told them to go sit down. Then he went to all the guys on the infield and told them to sit on the bases. The other team had the bases loaded, so there were these guys sitting around all these bases. So it's him and the batters, and all they needed was one run to win. There are no outs. So bases loaded, pitcher, batters, nobody in the outfield. All they got to do is get a hit, and the game's over with. He struck out all three of those batters in a row. That was Satchel Paige. He was one of the oldest players ever to play professional baseball. He was drafted, and at the age of 42, and they could only estimate that he was 42 because he never had a birth certificate. They said he may have been older. He played professional baseball at 42 years of age. But he had some really interesting quotes, and I want to read you a couple of the quotes he said. He says, age is a question of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter. Come on, somebody. That's good right there. Amen? I like that. Then he said this, and I love this one. Don't look back. Something might be gaining on you. (laughs) Pretty good. This is really powerful. He said, ain't no man can avoid being born average, but there ain't no man that's got to be common. It's about your decisions. It's about your choices. We're all born the same. What happens after that is up to you. But here's where I get the title for my sermon from. He said this, work like you don't need the money, dance like nobody's watching, and love like you've never been hurt. Love like you've never been hurt. I know today, for some of you, this may be the last time you, you're ever here. You're in through town. You stopped off to have church, and you take off. Can I, you know, you're going to take off. Can I just tell you something? God wants you to leave this place free today. God wants you to live a life where you can love like you've never been hurt, 
Well, there's three things that I want to cover today, three points that, that we're going to go through to, to get this point. So here's the first thing I want you to do. Look at your notes or it's up on the screen. Here's the first thing that you need to do to learn to love like you've never been hurt. Forgiveness, number one, forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. Forgiveness is about losing count. And the scripture talks about this. Now, I want to set this story up for you. Jesus and the disciples are walking somewhere. Peter is obviously dealing with something in his life. There's somebody in his life. I don't know if it's his wife, a friend, a Pharisee. He doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't tell us who it is. But he's obviously trying to figure out somebody's messing with him, and he wants to know how much longer he's got to forgive them before he puts a whooping on them. Somebody, come on. That's exact. Because the way he asked the question, you know, he's like, I'm dealing with somebody, and I need to know how much more dealing with them I need to do. So Jesus, or so Peter asked Jesus this question. Look at, look at Matthew 18. Here's what Jesus said. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Now, the next thing that I'm going to tell you he says is very important. He says up to seven times. Now, now here's where he got this number. You're wondering, where did he get this arbitrary number? The Pharisees said, if somebody sins against you, you only need to forgive them twice before you respond. So Peter has been hanging out with Jesus, and Jesus is all into this love stuff, right? So, so he's thinking, hey, I don't want to look bad to Jesus. So David, this is what he does. He goes, hmm, okay, Jesus, how about seven times? He says, I'll take what the Pharisees did. I'll double it, and I'll add a few to it. I sound really holy, Right? So, so you can imagine this is going on, right? And so I can imagine in my mind's eye, Jesus stops. Verse 22, and Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. The point was, now some of you are writing this down because you're going, you are keeping up. You're like, keep it up, baby. You are at 427. <laughs> no, that's not what is being said here. Jesus isn't saying, all right, once they get to 491, whoop. No, that's not what he's saying. His point is unlimited. The point is unlimited. But let me explain something to you. Forgiveness has to be given freely as soon as it happens. There have been people in my life who have hurt me deeply, people in life who have betrayed me, people who have, it's going to happen. I've recognized in life that those things are going to happen to me. And one of the things that I've learned to do is to forgive quickly, to quickly forgive, because the more you stew on it, the worse it's going to be. And Jesus says, no, you forgive 70 times, seven times. It's so important. But I want to help some of you because you're like, well, I work with this person that I deal with, and it's hard because they're hurting me, or maybe it's somebody I, I live with, or maybe it's a, a challenging situation. What do I do? Well, somebody told me this illustration years ago, and I can't think of a better one, so I'm just going to give it to you. Here's how you deal with difficult relationships. You ready? Let's say every day from school, you're, you're young. Some of you remember that vaguely. But you're young, and you're walking home from school. And let's say on the street or the road that you walk down, there's a yard. And in this yard, there's a dog. 
And every time you walk by on the sidewalk or through that front yard, that dog runs off the porch and it bites you. Okay? The first time, the first time, it's the dog's fault, right? But if you continue to walk back through that yard and you get bit again, and whose, whose fault is it now? Can I make a recommendation? Walk home a different way. Some of us need to understand that in relationships where we are consistently getting hurt, don't you put yourself into a situation where you're going to get bit. Forgive when it happens. Avoid it when possible. Avoid it when possible. That's just good advice. That's just good advice. All right, look at number two on your notes. If you want to learn how to love like you've never been hurt, number two, sometimes the worst done in you can bring out the best in you. Sometimes the worst done to you can bring out the best in you. It takes pressure for you to realize who you really are. It takes pressure. Sometimes if you want to know really what's on the inside of a person, put them under pressure. Put them in a situation where you have to see what they're made of because it's only when it's that way that you're actually going to understand. It's not when things are easy that you see what relationships are all about. It's when things are hard that you begin to really understand the importance of strength and forgiveness in relationships. Years ago, I was talking to my dad. He came up to me, and, and I was dealing with something. I don't remember if it was here or somewhere else. I don't remember the context, but I was dealing with some kind of leadership issue. And I said, Dad, I was frustrated. I was sharing something with him. And he said, Son, can I give you advice? I said, Yeah. Here's what he said. You like this, Joey. Here's what he said. He said, Son, anybody can sell a boat when everything's smooth. But if you want to really learn how to sell a boat, you need to get out in a storm. And that really let me know that in life, when things are, anybody can love people when it's easy to love. It's easy for me to love Trish when she loves me back. But what about when she's mad at me? What about when she's, when I have hurt her or she's hurt me? That's when I really am, the relationship that we have is going to be tested. It's not when things are good. It's how do you love when things are hard? How do you give forgiveness when things are hard. Well, sometimes the worst that's done to you can bring out the best on the inside of you. To illustrate this point, I brought ketchup. You're wondering, what in the world has this got to do with anything? I went around town, and I could not find a bottle of glass ketchup. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Y'all, how many of you have ever been to a restaurant, and they brought out a bottle, with the, the, and, and you were there, and the bottle was at the table, was almost empty, and they brought you a brand-new bottle? They probably set it down and then laughed because they wanted to watch what was going to happen next. How many of you have ever taken the top off a brand-new bottle of ketchup went to pour it out, and what happened? Absolutely nothing. And then the comedy ensued. You beat on the bottom of it. You beat it on the table. You beat it against your kids. You've done everything you can to get this out, and it will not come out. And here's why. Because the contents of the bottle are under pressure. And get this. Here's what's really cool about that. If you look, now this is an example, but if you get a bottle of Heinz ketchup, the glass bottle, This is scientific, by the way. This is engineering scientific stuff. It's true. 
If you call the people at Heinz and ask them how to get the, bo- the, the ketchup out of a bottle, they're going to tell you, look on the bottle, and you're going to see a label. And on that label, it will say Heinz 57 ketchup, right? It'll say it right up there. They said, here's what we did. Our engineers designed that bottle and put that label right there. So whenever you take the top off, the new bottle of ketchup, turn it upside down, and tap on that label Just tap on that label consistently, and then it will begin to come out slowly. Some of you, I've changed your life right now. You are welcome. I've just saved marriages. (laughs) It just happened. But that's the truth. You call them, and they'll tell you. You tap on that thing. It's an engineering design. I thought, well, that's a really cool illustration for one of the ways that we can deal with forgiveness. So here's what you have to do. Look at your notes. Look up on the screen. When you're dealing with forgiveness and how to forgive somebody, the first thing you have to do is open up. You have to take the top off the bottle. In other words, you have to be willing to forgive because it all starts from there. Are you willing? Are you willing? Because nothing starts if you're not willing. Remember, it's about choices. And when you think about the people in your life that have deeply hurt you, what I would say to you is, are you even willing to entertain the idea of forgiving them? Because if you're not, nothing's going to change. It's about choices. Well, the second thing you have to do after you take the top off is you begin to tap in that place, and you have to apply pressure. You have to apply pressure to make something happen. And can I tell you now, I'm going to give you some really good news about forgiveness. It's not about your emotions. Now, I'm an emotional person. You guys know this. If you've been around me at all, you know I'm a very emotional person. Feelings are a big deal to me. But can I tell you something? When you're dealing with forgiveness, it's not about your emotions. It's about a decision. You don't have to feel like forgiving someone to forgive them. Very much like love is an emotion, love, but love is also a choice. We can choose to love people. We can also choose to forgive people. But the way that typically works is that we're consistently choosing, and we're also consistently forgiving, and you have to consistently tap on that bottle to get it to come out. And when those thoughts of unforgiveness might rise up in you again, Dennis talked about it today in his class, you have to choose to forgive Choose to forgive. And here's the final point when it comes to that. Keep tapping. Keep after it. Keep after it. You know, when you forgive someone, Dennis mentioned it and he brilliantly mentioned it. Sometimes you may be driving down the road and everything may be great. And it might have been five years ago when you dealt with this situation, but a song comes on the radio or, or you see something, and all of a sudden all those thoughts, all those memories well up on the inside of you, and now it's just like you're reliving it all over again. And it's in that moment that you have a choice to make. And that's when you choose to forgive again. And you place that thought, you place that pain, you place that past underneath the blood of the cross, and you allow Jesus to have it. You keep tapping. Final point, if you're going to learn to love like you've never been hurt, now listen to me, this is important. It's unforgivable not to forgive. It's unforgivable not to forgive. Let me ask you a question. How many of you grew up in church? Can I see your hands? 
Okay, I'm a church folks. I grew up church too. You can put your hands down. We were taught, those of us that grew up in church, is that there's, there's a, an unpardonable sin, and the unpardonable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Come on up, Wes. It's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, okay? And that is true. That is true. But there's actually another unpardonable sin, and Jesus talks about it. It's Matthew 6, verse 15. I want you to listen to this. There were some folks in first service that had never heard this before. Some of you guys may not have heard it either. So listen, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus said this, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. What does that mean? I want you to think about this. When you look at your life and you look at the pain, and I know some of you very well, and I know some of the pain that you've experienced. I may not have felt your pain, but I've seen it. And it's horrible. And and can I say from the heart of God to you that what has happened to you is not okay? The abandonment, the abuse, the backstabbing, all the things, whatever it is, none of that is okay. None of it. But now you have to choose what to do with it because it happened. If you look in the Old Testament, there's a story of a guy named Joseph, a young man, teenager, had a bunch of brothers, made them mad. One day they decided they'd had enough. They were out on the farm somewhere, feeding the sheep, took their brother, beat him, threw him down in the bottom of a pit. Instead of killing him, they decided to sell him as a slave. They took his coat back to his father and said he was killed by wild animals. That's messed up. True story. Joseph recovers from that, is sold into slavery, right? And then he's falsely accused of adultery, thrown into prison, It's like he survived this thing and then this thing happened to him. If there's anybody in the Old Testament that you can look at and understand why they felt the way they did, that had an opportunity to be bitter, to shake their fist at God and everybody else, it's Joseph. Because he wasn't betrayed by people he didn't know. He was betrayed by people who should have loved him. But they didn't. Joseph survives being in prison and all of these other horrible things. He, and, but somewhere in that prison experience, somewhere in Joseph's life, he made a decision to forgive, to trust God. I can't tell you the moment that it happened, but it happened. And one day, Joseph is promoted to second in command of the king of Egypt, or the kingdom of Egypt, and he's in charge of all the food, and there's a famine in all the, all the known world at that time, and people are coming to Egypt because God had showed Joseph how to prepare for the famine. And so 
these Israelites, these Hebrews, come to Joseph, and Joseph is called out one day to go judge over these guys because they've come to get food. And he walks into the room, and standing before him are his brothers, and they don't recognize him. It's one thing to deal with your pain in private, to walk away and deal with it. It's another thing when your pain knocks on your door and comes and stands in front of you, but now you have the ability to do something about it. And they have been delivered into his hands. And one word, and they're done. Joseph reveals himself over time to his brothers. And God does this amazing miracle. And here's what Joseph said. Listen to me. This is going to change somebody's life right now. This is what Joseph said. He looked at his brothers who had betrayed him. And he said, what you intended for evil, God has used for good. The salvation of many people. That's somebody that's been able to take their pain and allow God to redeem it and turn it around. And guys, a whole nation was saved because Joseph forgave. This isn't in my notes, but I think it's really important. But I need you to understand something today. What you may not realize in your life, the pain that has happened to you, is that when you give forgiveness away, when you're able to walk in forgiveness, God can take that, and there is somebody waiting on the other side of your forgiveness to be set free. And because you're willing to forgive over here, God can use that to save somebody over here. It's an amazing truth. David, King David, Man, talk about a messed up family. David's the youngest of all of his brothers. Dad didn't even realize he wasn't in the house when the prophet came to anoint a new king. Oh, the prophet said, hey, is this all your sons? They were all lined up in front of him. Is this all your sons? He goes, oh, yeah. Here's that little short one. He's, uh, I forgot all about him. How many of you have left your kids at the grocery store? Come on, let's be honest. So I can kind of have a little empathy there, right? But, but. Here's what happened to David. He was overlooked. He goes and works for King Saul, who tries to kill him, throws spears at him, hunted him down for years. David's own wife mocked him for worshiping God. His brothers mocked him earlier in his life. Later, David son, Absalom, rebelled against him and tried to steal the kingdom from him. This would make Jerry Springer be nervous. This is just like, Jerry's like, no, I can't have that on my show. That's just too crazy. Some of you now feel normal for the first time in your life. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know the person that David sinned the greatest against? was God and himself. David, King David, a man after God's own heart, had one of his loyal soldiers killed, one of his 300 killed, took his wife, 
committed adultery with her and tried to cover it up. He sinned against other people. But the hardest person for David to ask forgiveness for, I believe, was himself. You know, for many of us, it's easier to forgive someone else than it is to forgive ourselves. I can tell you in my own life, for me, just me personally, it is easier for me to forgive you for hurting me than it is for me to forgive myself. But some of you need to hear this today. The forgiveness that Jesus paid for is also for yourself. And you need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive yourself. And then there's Jesus. The only person that has ever walked this earth that never sinned. Never did anything wrong. And yet he's hanging on this cross, looking out at the people that crucified him. Us. And Jesus said these words. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Think about that. What do you mean they don't know what they're doing? Jesus, they voted to crucify you. This didn't accidentally happen. Y'all have heard me say it probably a thousand times. Hurting people do what? Hurt people. Broken people break people. And the people that have hurt you did it because they're broken. And that's not an excuse for their behavior, but it should help you understand why it happened. They hurt you because they're hurt. That's not okay, but that's why they did it. And Jesus looks out at us and says, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. The Lord showed me something this week that I never noticed before. If you look back in Isaiah 53, verse 5, it talks about what Jesus just gives us a snapshot of some of the things that Jesus experienced. And the scripture tells us that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, our sins, and he was bruised for our iniquities. Notice this, wounded. If someone is wounded, it's an external wound. That means you can see it. They're wounded on the outside. You can see their their cuts or their broken bone or whatever. You can see it. But notice what it says. But he was also bruised for our iniquities. And you know what that showed me? He, He not only takes care of what we see on the outside, the bruises are on the inside, those internal injuries. And some of you are walking around with internal injuries. On the outside, you look okay. Nobody knows. But on the inside, you're broken. And it's killing you. And it's about unforgiveness. You've decided to cope. You've decided just to put ice on it. You've decided to shake it off. 
And that's not what Jesus is all about. Here's what he said. Jesus said these words. He said, I have come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. And I've come to set the captives free. If you never hear anything else I say, listen to these words right now. When you have unforgiveness in your life, when there is someone or some ones who have hurt you and you have not forgiven them, what you have done is handcuffed yourself to that person. And to everywhere you go, they go with you. Your relationships. Some of the reasons some of you struggle in your relationships is you're bringing other relationships with you. Come on. Because of how you were treated as a child, you treat your children that way, even though you said you never would. And it's because the pain that has been caused to you, you've never been able to forgive. But there's an amazing truth that happens when we allow Jesus to work in us and the truth of his forgiveness to work through us. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set the captives free. In other words, he came to undo our handcuffs. When you forgive someone, you unhandcuff them from you. But what also happens? You become unhandcuffed from them. You're free. You're free. One of the most powerful ways that we hurt each other are our words. Does anybody know what nitroglycerin is? You ever heard of nitroglycerin? It's very interesting. I did not know this until this week. But this is, this is something you need to learn about nitroglycerin. I looked up the definition in Webster's Dictionary. And here's, here's what nitroglycerin is. It's a constituent of dynamite and other explosives, and it's used in rocket propellants, nitroglycerin. But it's also used in medicine for the treatment of heart trouble. It's used as an explosive to blow up bridges. It's used as a rocket propellant to send the space shuttle up into space. But in the right doses and in the right amounts and given in the right way, it can cure heart disease. That's incredible. That's just like your words. Your words given the right way can heal your words given the right way can propel somebody to, to, to levels they never could have thought they would go. But in, in the wrong way, your words can destroy and kill. The power of life and death is in the tongue, the Bible says. Life and death. And there have been some people that have said things to you that hurt you. But your words can blow things up. But your words can also set people free. Wes is going to sing us a song. I want you to 
be in an attitude of prayer in a moment. And I want you to forget about everybody around you and everything around you. I want you to listen to these words. When I come back, we're going to pray. Because some of you are going to forgive, and God's going to set you free. Amen. Arms stretched out wide, barely hanging on to life. Left to suffer all alone. You came for all mankind to bridge the great divide. But somehow ended up alone. And because of all the blood and tears you've shed. I will never know that kind of loneliness. Your spirit never leaves me, even when I'm hurting. I don't have to bear this burden on my own. Because you've carried all the pain and you've buried all the shame. When you made that rugged tree your righteous throne And because of you I'll never walk alone You came here as a man so I know that you understand what it's like to walk this road. And my problems, they don't compare to that crown you had to bear. But still, Lord, you take them as your own. And because of all the blood and tears you've shed, I will never know that kind of loneliness. Because your spirit never leaves me, even when I'm hurting. I don't have to bear this burden on my own. Cause you've carried all the pain And you buried all the shame When you made that rugged tree your righteous throne And because of you I'll never walk alone Your spirit never leaves me Even when I'm hurt I don't have to bear that burden on my own. Because you've carried all the pain and you buried all the shame. When you made that rugged tree your righteous throne. And because of you I'll never walk alone. Lord, because of you, I'll never walk.
alone. There's three groups of people in here today. The first group is you've learned the power of forgiveness. You carry a short list of accounts. When people hurt you, you've learned to forgive. It doesn't excuse people hurting you. You just realize that in life it's going to happen. And so you choose to forgive quickly. The second group of people that are here are those that are deeply wounded and hurt. And maybe you've tried or maybe you haven't, but you've never been able to forgive some people for what they've done to you. You've heard Jesus' words today. It's not because Jesus is being mean. He's wanting you to understand that if you can't forgive, God can't forgive you. And Jesus is the only one who can say that because he forgave when he was sinned against and he never sinned. The third group of people in here are the ones that need to forgive themselves. You've forgiven others, but you've never forgiven yourself. I talked to a young man, and he was struggling with that. He said, I can forgive other people, but I can't forgive myself. It's not about emotion. It's about choosing to receive the forgiveness that God has given us about choosing to allow the love of God to come inside of us and change us from the inside out. Here's what I want to do. Everybody's heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. This is so personal, so important. It's a game changer for some of you, a life changer, a destiny changer today. going to pray together, and I'd like everybody here to pray. And the first group are going to be those of you that need to forgive someone else. And it could be many someone else's. It could be one. But what I want you to do as we pray, so I'm going to give you a moment in that prayer to forgive those people. And remember, it's not about an emotion. It's about choosing to free them. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you commanded us to forgive. And Lord, you know those who have hurt me. So Father, today, as an act of my will, as a choice, I choose to forgive them. And I want you, just right now, where you are, I want you to think about those people and then choose to forgive them. Choose. Everybody's head's still bowed. Now, we're coming to those that need to forgive themselves. Say, Pastor, I don't deserve it. None of us deserve what God has done for us. None of us deserve forgiveness. All of us have fallen short. But the Bible tells us that God's free gift to us 
is eternal life if we'll receive salvation, if we'll receive Jesus. So, friend, you have to receive him. You have to choose to forgive yourself. So, Lord, right now, with everyone in the sound of my voice, Father, and the people watching online, as we're sitting here in this holy moment together, facing ourselves, Lord, right now is an act of will and prayer, all of us together, Lord, in prayer, as we're sitting here in an act of will, Lord, we choose to forgive ourselves, to receive your forgiveness because of what Jesus did on the cross. We choose to forgive ourselves. peace of God will rule and reign in your hearts. Love is patient, and love is kind. Love does not envy, it does not parade itself or is puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. It's not provoked, and it thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, Love endures all things. Love never quits. Father, today is your people. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your love today. And Father, we, as we have freely received forgiveness, we freely give it away. Help us, Lord, to walk in the fullness of the life that you have for us. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.